I invite you to turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 1. Um, we're going to be spending the next five weeks or so, leading up to Easter, um, talking through Lent, which we introduced last week. And uh, this season of Lent, this time of preparation, it's the 40 days between Ash Wednesday, which would have been about a week and a half ago, uh, to Easter. And um, we're going we're gonna to be theming this and talking about the wilderness, and so if you look at Mark chapter 1, um, verses 12 through 15, these, these verses right here are going to kind of serve as the theme for us over the next few weeks. And it goes a little bit like this. The Spirit immediately drove Him, being Jesus, out into the wilderness. And He was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. And He was with... And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, so he came out of the wilderness after 40 days, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And I think it's real important there, a couple things, just in, as we begin before we start talking about the wilderness, this was right after the baptism of Jesus. And we pick up in verse 12, the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Immediately after he was baptized, he heard the words, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And then he goes into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by Satan. And then I want you to see what Jesus says right after John was arrested. Jesus came into Galilee and he says, the time is fulfilled. Jesus' wilderness time, this time in the wilderness, immediately followed his baptism and the powerful affirmation of who he was. You are my son, the beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. And the Gospels say that the Spirit who descended on him at his baptism drove him out into the bleak, lonely, and dry wilderness for 40 days of testing. And the thing that I want us to see about the wilderness is that the wilderness time is part of of our lives too. I want us to spend this time talking about the wilderness because the wilderness time is part of our lives too. We cannot live and love and engage life in meaningful ways without sometimes ending up in the wilderness. It's inevitable. We, we can't walk through this life and especially this life with Jesus without sometimes ending up in the wilderness. Wilderness times are those times when we feel we are tested to our limits and we describe those times in wilderness terms. Dry, desolate, lonely, trying, difficult, agonizing, lonely. Oh, I already said that one. We speak of hunger, we speak of thirst and longing in the wilderness. And so, as we talk about the wilderness over the next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to be talking about how the wilderness times are times for different things. And today, I want us to recognize that wilderness times are times for learning. That in our times of wilderness, in our times where we feel lonely, in our times where we feel dry, in our times where things are difficult, agonizing, trying, uh, we, we don't know what to do, we're hungering, we're thirsting, we're longing that it's a time for learning. You, remember, you may remember a few years ago, these different email lists were making their ways around, and, and one, one uh, particular one that I threw in my email for, uh, I, have a, I have a little email folder for sermon illustrations, and sometimes I, I need to go to email, sometimes I just hear things. Uh, I hear things, like what did the lawyer name his daughter? 
Sue. See, so sometimes I just remember those things and they're great. Sometimes I got to go digging for that was free. Anyway, um, but, uh, but, 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 but this one I, I found. Uh, and, and so these are some things that children have learned about life. Okay, and this was just kind of floating around. Uh, the first one is you can't trust dogs to watch your food for you. Right? You can't trust dogs to watch your food for you. Um, uh, this one's very true in our house. Vera, who's almost two, she is learning this uh, completely because our dog loves to hang out at her um, little high chair with her tray, just waiting, just waiting for us to not be looking so that our dog can take her food. Uh, what about this one? Don't sneeze when somebody's cutting your hair. It's an important lesson to learn. Um, this one is real important, uh, especially for younger people in the room, uh, to learn this. You cannot hide a piece of broccoli in a glass of milk. I don't know if you tried that, but you can't do it. Um, uh, how about this one? I never had to experience this one uh, firsthand, but uh, I, I can only imagine uh, the pain here. Um, when your mom is mad at your dad, don't let her brush your hair. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, this one, this one's fun, um, just because I'm not a cat person, okay? And if you're a cat person, we're praying for you, um, um, bless your heart, okay, all those things. Um, but this one's fun, no matter how hard you try, you can't baptize a cat. No matter how hard you try, <laughs> okay, there are the kinds of accelerated learning experiences we call, right, learning the hard way. So it is with times of wilderness, so it is with times of wilderness. And so we're going to look back in the Old Testament this morning because we don't have a lot of information, although other, other Gospels, right, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, other Gospels do share more about Jesus' time in the wilderness, right? And we're going to look at those in, in weeks to come. But, but for this wilderness time of learning, I want us to look back into the Old Testament about a group of people that did a lot of learning in the wilderness, because a lot can be learned in the wilderness. But one lesson stands out. The wilderness can be a time of accelerated learning about priority. What really matters in our lives. Jesus' time in the wilderness, coming just before he was about to begin his public ministry, was a time for sorting out what mattered most and to get clear about God's will for his life as beloved Son, And I love that Jesus even models separating himself, almost going back to wilderness fields, wilderness conditions, so that he can get his next steps. After coming out of Egypt, we see one of the most significant periods in the history of the Jews. Forty years of wandering in the wilderness. And it's during this time of wandering that the Jews learned some of their greatest Lessons. God uses times of being in the wilderness to teach us. Jesus, John the Baptist, Moses, David, Elijah, each of these men of God learned much through their time in the wilderness. And in, and in just the same way, God wants to teach us when we go through times of testing, times of trial, times of wondering and uncertainty. Paul writes about this time in the wilderness. He says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. The cloud he refers to is the pillar of cloud which was visible, which was the visible presence of God with his people, the Israelites, wandering 40 years through the desert. I want you to see that God always had a visible presence with his people. 
The sea that Paul mentions here was the Red Sea parted by the miraculous power of God. Paul writes that all four million of these Jews, these Israelites, enjoyed the presence and the power of God displayed in their lives even in the wilderness. And so the lessons learned from the Jews wandering in the wilderness are lessons for us today. So if you turn to Exodus chapter 13, if you have your Bibles open, if not, the, the passage will be on the screen and we're going we're gonna to look at a few chapters here uh, just to see these Israelites and some of the lessons that they learned in the wilderness because the wilderness is a time for learning. Exodus 13, we're going to start in verses 17 through 22. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. I want you to see that. Okay, so just pause for just a second, right? When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. So what, what, what we're reading here, right, is although that there was a path that was near, what that means is there was a path that was closer, there was a path that was easier, uh, easily, more easily accessible. God didn't lead them by that path. Why? Because if they would have gone by the way of the Philistines, they would have more than likely faced war. They would have faced battles, even though God had just freed them from the captivity of Pharaoh. Anytime I talk about this, I, I, I think about that, 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 that VBS song, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh baby, let my people go. Let them, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, good. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Thank you. That's why I don't sing on the worship team. Okay, um, but they would have faced they would have faced opposition, even though even though God just freed them from captivity, even though God just freed them from captivity, there would not have been uh, it would not have been an easy road. There would have been war, and God, God. A lot of scholars say here that God didn't want to lead them through the way of the Philistines because if they would have faced opposition, they would have gone back. They would have gone back. They would have given up. They would have quit easily. I'm glad that our culture has changed and we're a little bit stronger than that and able to overcome things a little bit easier. Anyway, although that was near, for God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around the way of the what? Wilderness. Good. Toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from uh, Sukkoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. See, they're in the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by, by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night a pillar of fire to give them light. God's presence was always with them, that they might travel by day and night. That was important. This was an important piece of God's protection in the wilderness, that they were able to travel by day and by night. So it wasn't just a pillar of cloud by day, but it was the pillar of fire by night. So in, in order for God to be able to protect them, he, they were able to travel 24-7. They were able to be led 24-7, pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. The pillar of cloud, verse 22, by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Did not depart 
from, the pe- from before the people. And I want you to see in verse 18, but God led the people around by the way of the wilderness. I want you to see something before we keep going. God led the people around by the way of the wilderness. Even in times of wilderness, even in times where we feel dry, even in times where we feel lonely, even in times where we feel desolate, even where, where we, in times where we feel like, God, what in the world are you doing? How can you be allowing all of this? If, if my God is so good, then why? I want you to see that even in this passage in Exodus, with, with, with these Israelites, right, that God was in control. If you're sitting here this morning and you're in the wilderness, if you're sitting here this morning and you feel like, you know what, everything's just against me, everything I touch is falling apart, everything, 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 right? God's still in control of your wilderness. Even in the wilderness, God was leading his people. God was leading these people. He was in control. So we can learn four things from the wilderness when it, when it comes to learning. And the first lesson that we see in the wilderness is the lesson of timing. It's the lesson of timing. Everybody say timing. Timing is critical, right? Timing is critical. The first lesson that we can learn from times of wilderness wandering is this. We need to follow God even when His leading does not fit with our agenda. We need to follow His leading even when His leading does not fit with our agenda. So, so the Israelites, they had, an easy, they had an easier path. There was a closer path. But it would have been faced with much more opposition than what the wilderness had to offer. Which sounds interesting, doesn't it? When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though it was shorter. The Philistines lived, just get this, because I want to give you a little bit of a geography lesson so that you can see the importance of God leading his people here. God did not lead them on the road that was shorter. The Philistines lived just north of Egypt, okay, just north of Egypt, along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, directly to the west, that way, um, of, of what is today Israel. The area that is known as the Gaza Strip. The trip through, through there, the trip through the Gaza Strip would have been about 200 miles. 200 miles. This was the scenic route, the short route, uh, the route along the, the Red Sea. This is the way anyone on their journey would have chosen, right? Um, but this was not the way God led the Jews. This was the way anyone would have chosen, but it was not the way God led the Jews. Instead, he led them on a much longer route, a route down uh, Route 1 uh, through the wilderness, taking two months instead of 95 to come to Mount Sinai in the bottom of the Sinai Peninsula. The way of the Philistines was the logical choice, but it was not God's choice. It was not God's choice. Because again, if, if they would have gone the way of the Philistines, if they would have faced war, if they would have seen battle, if they would have seen opposition, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. And why was it important that they didn't change their minds and return to Egypt? Because God had a plan for his people. Right? It's important that they didn't change their minds and return to Egypt because God had a plan for his people. God had a promise for his people. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. 
God knew that the Jews weren't ready to engage in battles, but God was ready. His power was great enough, but their faith was not. And that's a critical point. Well, God could have just let them around. God could have, you know, but their faith was not. Why? Because maturity takes time. Maturity takes time. Maturity takes time. That's why it's important for us to go in the wilderness because God has to teach us His timing and maturity takes time. Often, we want to grow without time and effort and exercise that builds faith. We want God to give us everything we need, but He knows that our faith grows by learning through lesson after lesson to trust Him. I was sitting um, with someone this past week talking about the good old days, which was really funny. Which is really funny. And, um, and, and, and one of the things that we were talking about was just how things are so different today. Um, you know, um, I don't, I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure how to say it without making my generation just sound really lazy. Um, and so, and so uh, you know, you can take it up with God later. Um, but, but, you know, companies and businesses and all that today, they're finding, they're having a hard time finding uh, uh, people that will work, <laughs> which is really funny. Um, and and they're, they're, they're having a hard time finding people that are willing, right, to start up scrubbing the toilets before they get into the office position. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, great. All right. So you're with me. You're with me, right? And so, and so there's this idea, right? That, that, that let's just take a ladder, for example, right? Let's take a ladder, for example. You know, how do you climb a ladder? You start at the bottom, right? You start at the bottom. You don't take a running start and jump and try to get to the fifth or sixth step, right? I believe that's how injuries happen right? That's a bad day, okay? If that goes wrong for you, that's a bad day. I, I don't typically get on ladders that are more than five or six steps, because um, even though I am a height, I have a fear of heights, okay? Um, but but you, you, you start at step one, right? You start at step one. The issue with, 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 with us today, right? And I see, I see this in the church, right? Pastor, how can I serve? Well, we really need somebody to help us shovel our sidewalks and, and, and clean our toilets. Oh, I was, I was thinking about eldership. Well, what? Huh? I was thinking about, I, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking more along the line, you know, I was thinking more along the lines of this, or, but that's not the need. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe, maybe it's just not the right time for me to serve them. What? But we start out, right? We start out and we, and we build because maturity, uh, maturity takes time. And what God was trying to get at here, there's a speaker right there. What God was trying to get at here is he knows that our faith grows by learning through the lesson after lesson after lesson of trusting him. And timing is everything. And so we've got, to be, we've got to be willing that, okay, if God places us here, if God places us here, if God places us here, right, to embrace where God places us. Because His agenda and His timing is perfect for what He wants. See, our goal, our goal, listen to me, this, is, this might be countercultural when we think about wilderness. Our goal should not to be get out of the wilderness, but to follow God. Um, I, did a, I did one of those um, with, with, with our family yesterday. I did one of those escape rooms 
When you're in an escape room, what's the goal? Not yell at the people you're in there with, right? I mean, that's goal number one. I mean, right? I mean, like, like, like not to get so frustrated um, to where you, you just lose everything. Well, we're doing it with the, you know, and so we're trying, to, we're trying to have fun. But the goal of an escape room, right, is to get out, right? The goal of the escape room is to, is to get out. Everyone in one piece with your family still intact, right? And, and not have a lot to explain at the end of it, right? And so, so that, that's your goal, is to get out. And those escape rooms are frustrating. And you're just standing, and you've got this person over here the, the, in the escape room that we had yesterday. Some escape rooms, right, you, you can just talk. And then that voice that sounds like God just speaks the clue, right? Well, yesterday, the, that person was in the room right? And so like we're doing this escape room and this person over here is just watching us, right? And you could just feel, you could just feel their expressions of, wow, these people are stupid. You know what I mean? Because like she knew everything, right? She knew where everything was. She was responsible for resetting it and redoing this whole thing. And so I'm like doing this and, 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 and you know, you just, you just feel everything, right? But the goal for that is to get out. But, but the opposite here is, is with wilderness, the goal isn't to get out necessarily, but to follow God in the wilderness, to be faithful in the wilderness, to follow God because His timing is perfect. And guess what? You'll get out of the wilderness when it's in His timing to get out of the wilderness. And so the first lesson that we learn when it comes to the wilderness is the lesson of timing. Number two, the lesson of trust. I want to keep with the Israelites, but I want to skip over a couple pages to chapter 15. We're going to pick up in verse 22 of chapter 15. The Red Sea had just happened, the parting of the Red Sea. And then we pick up in Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness, again, of sure. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. They found no water. When they, came to, uh, when they came to Merah, they could not drink the water of Merah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Merah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statue, a statute and a rule. And there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elam where, they were, uh, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees and they encamped there by the water. Now, the second lesson that we learned in the wilderness, first is timing, second one is trust. The lesson of trust. Right? This is an important lesson for us to learn if we're going to walk through the wilderness. This is an important lesson for us to learn if we're going to walk through the wilderness. What I want you to see here is that these Israelites, right, and, 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 and if you know the story at all, if you don't know the story, I encourage you to go back to read the story through the book of Exodus of these Israelites, right? God had brought them through thing after thing after thing. Their backs were up against the wall. The, 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 the portion that we skip from chapter 13 to verse 15, here, chapter 15 here, is that, is that God parted the Red Sea, led them into the wilderness for three days. It wasn't like it was three years where they would have had a chance to forget, but for three days, right? And they had no water. And you see what's happening here? 
that in three days of no water, after watching God completely work a miracle, they're grumbling. They're grumbling. They're grumbling. After three days, they're grumbling. And so we see the the lesson of trust here. Let's talk about this. For three days, they traveled in the desert without finding water, right? You got the story. It took three days for the Jews to get to the Red Sea. They crossed the Red Sea. They traveled three days in the desert. And in those three days, they've forgotten the power of God. Three days. For some reason... They failed to remember that their God cares about them, that their God can provide for them. They failed to remember these things. Often, often, I want you to see this, often discontent comes only after we see what it is that we can't have. Often discontent comes after we see what it is we can't have. They saw water, but it was too bitter for them to drink. They couldn't drink it, right? I mean, think about it this way. You can find driving a 10-year-old vehicle satisfactory, right? You you can be fine driving a 10-year-old vehicle until you see your neighbor's new Cadillac, right? Or um, whatever it is, bluesy, right? Then suddenly your beat-up old van with 150,000 miles suddenly becomes bitter to you. You can be fine wearing Walmart clothes or Walmart walkers until you see everyone else at school is wearing these designer labels and these starter jackets and all these different things, right? Discontent often comes when we're faced with the things that we could have but we don't have. Discontent often comes when we find the things that we could have but we don't have. And what really happens is we end up blaming God for what we don't have in our season of wilderness. And what we ultimately end up doing is saying, God, you don't care about me because if you loved me, you'd give me whatever. Does God care about these Jews? Of course. He just led them through the Red Sea, right, where he parted the waters, led them across on dry ground. Of course he cares about them. He just sent a deliverer and turned Egypt upside down to rescue them, to bring them out of bondage. But this is also tied up to the timing issue. When God doesn't work in the way we want him to, And the timing that we want him to, we think he doesn't care about us. And so God brings us, God brings us to these these, uh, maras of life, right? These these places of life where, where, where times of testing, times of disappointment, times where things don't work out good to test our hearts. The lesson of trust is a lesson to show us what's in our hearts. The lesson of trust is to show us what's in our hearts. Trust is not about paying the bills or having food to eat. It's not really a lesson about where we work or what we wear or what kind of car we drive. Trust is a lesson of what's in our hearts. Do we have hearts that are committed to relying on God to provide for all of our needs? So we've got the lesson of time, we've got the lesson of trust and then if you flip to Exodus chapter 13, 16 excuse me just a couple of verses down here Exodus chapter 16 verses 2 and 3 we see the lesson of thankfulness and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness and the people of Israel said to them would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. 
Now, first off, my heart goes out to, to, to Moses and Aaron, right? Because they're just, they're just the messengers here, right? I mean, these guys, right, go through everything. They move heaven and earth, right? Moses goes toe-to-toe with Pharaoh, has, you know, not, not clearly uh, uh, speaking, right? He's got to have Aaron, right, right by his side because he, you know, and, and Moses has done all these things, and then Moses has to hear and deal with these grumbling Israelites who basically say to him right here, slavery was much better than the situation we're sitting in right now. Because they were sitting around fires eating meat pots till they were full, bread till they were full. They had everything that they wanted and they just feel like Aaron and Moses have brought them out to the wilderness to kill them. And again, think about everything they've already been through. The freedom from Pharaoh's rule, the Red Sea, all of these things have just happened. We're not, but we're, we're only but days away from that. And yet here we see almost a Jonah moment, right? Jonah chapter 4, God, I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to show up. And you did. <laughs> and we see this grumbling, and it's a lesson of thankfulness. We see that Moses led the Jews out of Egypt And when they see something they want, they can't have, they turn against Moses. They're ready to overthrow him. One thing I want you to see here is the discontent, right? The discontent, the grumbling like the Israelites are experiencing right here against Moses and Aaron. It's a deadly disease. Man, when discontent, when grumbling sets in in a group of people, it's a deadly disease. Because it not only destroys you, but it destroys everyone you come in contact with. Galatians 5.9 says this, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. All it takes is a few discontent people to get everyone else discontent. All it takes is for a few people to, to, to doubt what's happening or to, or, you know, you know to, to, to throw a stone and, the, and then everyone's getting discontent. Look how, think about how ridiculous this discontent is for the Israelites. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There were, we sat around pots of meat. We ate all the food that we wanted. They say, if only we were dead. It makes no sense. But really, when you think about it, discontent never does make any sense. And to take it one step further, their grumbling was really a lack of thankfulness. Their grumbling was really a lack of thankfulness. Instead of thanking God that they're no longer slaves in Egypt, they complained that they had to travel in the wilderness. Instead of thanking God for bringing them through the Red Sea, they complained that they're not still in Egypt. Instead of thanking God for the oasis He provided, they complained because they have to leave the oasis. Grumbling is when we fail to give thanks to God for what He's provided. Let me say that again. Grumbling is when we fail to give thanks to God for what He has provided. So we've got the lesson of timing. We've got the lesson of trust. We've got the lesson of thankfulness. One more I want to talk about this morning. And to hit this one, we've got to flip over to the book of Numbers. If you don't want to turn there for the sake of time, you can just follow along on the screen. The book of Numbers, chapter 13. In fact, I'm just going to kind of summarize it for you. We'll point to a couple verses. The book of Numbers is another book recounting the things that happened during the time of wandering in the wilderness. 
And in chapter 13, we find the pivotal decision in the wilderness, kind of the purpose of the whole wilderness. The Jews are getting closer and closer to the border of the promised land, and they sent out scouts to explore the land. Moses tells him in verse 18, see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What, what type of chance do we have? Is it good or is it bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they, are they, uh, how's the soil? Is it fertile? Is it poor? Are the trees good? Are they, you know, do your best to bring back some fruit. So the scouts go in for 40 days. And in verse 27, we see them report back, we went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Now I want you to see here, here's the promised land that God had promised them. The land that flowed with milk and honey. Here's its fruit, but the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified. They're large. We saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites right, live in the, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of that land, for we can certainly do it. Aren't you thankful for Caleb's in your life? I mean, man, right? Moses had to look at Caleb and be like, oh, thank you. Thank you. There's one, right? There's one that's, that's, that's gotten the lesson of time, has gotten the lesson of trust, gotten the lesson of thankfulness. Here. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Right? We can do this. We can attack these people. They're stronger than we are, right? right? But, the, but the men said, the men who had gone up with Caleb had said, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. But I want you to see that the last lesson here is the lesson of taking risks. In the wilderness, we learn the lesson of taking risk. Because what we see here, once again, is a problem of faith. And in our lives as well, right? Often God calls us to exercise our faith, to trust Him, to, hit, to help us accomplish the things He's called us to do. And we usually, what, the battle that we usually face is a battle between faith and fear. See, fear robs us of joy and the potential of walking with God to new and exciting places, and yet faith leads us on an exciting journey of daily trusting God. My challenge for us this morning is attempt something so great for God that's doomed for failure unless God is in it. Attempt something so great for God that's doomed for failure unless God is in it. And so as we, as we walk through this season of Lent, as we walk through this period of time where we're, where we're concentrating, right, where we're, where, we're, where we're experiencing different things and we're trying to identify, right, with, with the things that are happening here in Scripture, we see that in times of wilderness, it's a time of learning. Learning to trust God's timing. Learning to trust, period. Learning to be thankful. Learning to take risks, learning to, learning to sign up for things that are only God-sized things. I love the story of the dry bones when people are led, and, 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 and the question is asked, the valley of dry bones, can these bones live? Only if God shows up. Only if God shows up. That's the lesson of taking 
risks. A businessman was visiting a coastal village and he noticed a small boat with just one fisherman pulling up to the dock. Inside the small boat were several large yellowfin tuna. He complimented the fisherman on the fish and and asked how long it took to catch them. Only a little while, the fisherman replied. The businessman said, why didn't you stay longer and catch more fish? The fisherman said, I have enough to support my family's needs. The businessman asked, but what, what do you do with the rest of your time? Get this, the fisherman said, I sleep late, fish a little, play with my children, take a siesta with my wife, stroll into the village each evening where I sip wine and play guitar with my friends. I have a full and busy life. The businessman scoffed. I'm a Harvard MBA and could help you. You should spend more time fishing and with your proceeds buy a bigger boat. With the proceeds from the bigger boat, you could buy several boats and eventually have a fleet of boats. You, you would cut out the middleman and sell directly to the processor, eventually opening up your own cannery. You would control the product, processing and distribution. You would need to leave this small village and move to Mexico City, then Los Angeles, and eventually New York City where you could run your own expanding enterprise. And the fisherman asked, how long will this take? The MBA replied, 15 to 20 years. But what then? The fisherman asked. The American laughed and, and said, that's the best part. When the timing is right, you would announce an initial public offering and sell your company stock to the public and become very rich. And you would make millions, millions, the fisherman asked. Then what? The American said, then you would retire move to a small coastal fishing village where you would sleep late, fish a little, play with your kids, take a siesta with your wife, stroll to the village in the evenings where you could sip wine and play guitar with your friends. The biggest thing I hope we find in this season of Lent as we're walking up to Easter is that wilderness time is a time where our priorities are seen. Not only are our priorities seen, but our priorities are known and they're embraced. Our priorities are known and they're embraced. That we learn what they are. That we learn that who we are and what we are. I mean, if you look at if you look at Jesus, right back in Matthew, excuse me, Mark one, right? What does Jesus come out of the wilderness doing? He comes out of the wilderness preaching the gospel, saying the the time is fulfilled. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus knew. Jesus knew. The priority of repenting and believing in the gospel after his time of wilderness. He had his marching orders. He had his next steps. But what I hope we see in this season of Lent is that we learn our priorities in the wilderness. In the wilderness. As we trust, as we look to God's timing, as we shift our perspective, maybe from grumbling to thankfulness, God, thank you. Thank you, that you're, thank you that you're placing me in this season of learning. Thank you that you're placing me in this season of trial. Thank you that you're testing my heart. And God, help me take a risk where it's only going to work if you show up. I know we gave a lot of information this morning. We looked at a lot of different things and we talked about a lot of different passages with the Israelites, right? But I wanted you to see 
those different lessons that the Israelites learned in the wilderness. And you may be sitting here this morning, and these guys are about to sing a song, and you may be sitting here this morning, you may say, you know what, Pastor, I'm in my season of wilderness. I'm struggling to make sense of it. I'm struggling to, to find purpose in it. I'm struggling to know, uh, to trust God's timing. I'm struggling to, 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 to trust Him in general. I want you to say that, I just want to say that God's track record is perfect. And when I look back, and I'm not exempt from seasons of wilderness. I'm not. But when I look back on the times where I've been in a crowded room and felt like the loneliest person in the room, when I look back on times where God placed me in the wilderness, the product, the lessons learned in coming out of the wilderness were things I could never have even asked or imagined. So whatever this season is for you right now, if you're sitting in the wilderness, if you're heading into the wilderness, if you're just coming out of the wilderness, if you're right smack dab in the middle of the wilderness, know it's His timing. Know that you can trust Him. Take risks. And be thankful. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this season of wilderness. Thank you for bringing me to this place where I can trust only you. As, as the band plays, we'll have some people at the doors if you want to pray. And uh, may we embrace, may we embrace whatever season God has us in with, with faithfulness. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. God, thank you that you are God and we are not. So I pray that you help us to trust your timing. I pray that you help us to take risks. I pray that you help us to change our perspective from grumbling to thankfulness. I pray that we would take steps towards you no matter what season we're in, no matter what season you have us in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.